Welcome back to the Quiet On Set podcast. I'm Ewan Gruff and I'm joined by Lachlan Teeley. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, you might have noticed, you know, something about my stance might be a bit more different than usual. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Anything you picked up? On. Can you move to the left? Oh, he's moved to the uh, right. I'm uh, flying, left. man. I don't know. I'm flying. You're walking around. It's like you've got a sit-stand desk or something. Yeah, maybe. I'm not constrained anymore by my but, by my chair. So. Are you just going to do the whole show standing uh, up? Are we going to do a standing? show oh my god all right well it looks like we're doing a standing show because yeah. i'm standing up now yeah oh this is exciting so much more energy now um which we which which is what we need because we do have a really really packed episode today heaps of stuff to talk about lots of trailers actually lots of reviews um not even just movie reviews this week we also got a lot of like tv stuff we're talking about first up uh i want to quickly talk about uh the lineup for the bfi london film festival and the zurich film festival uh, i i linked both of those lineups for you in the show notes Lachlan, so you can have a quick look at it sick yeah there's a lot of stuff actually premiering at zurich and i'm really keen for um uh, maybe if you're having a look at it you, you'll see it now i mean we got uh International premiere for No Time to Die, which is exciting. <clears throat> We're also getting The French Dispatch. And uh, one that's, movie that I'm exciting. really keen for is The Power of the Dark, uh, that Netflix movie uh, with um, oh. Benedict Cumberbatch. And I've heard a lot of praise uh, so far from TIFF, where it already premiered. So I'm super keen for that. We also got uh, Ridley Scott's new movie, The Last Duel, mm. Sean Baker's Red Rocket, and uh, a bunch of other films that I'm really keen for, like Compartment Number Six. Uh, Spence is another movie we recently talked about on uh, the uh, trailer discussion. And and yeah, just a lot of good stuff. So uh, keen for that. And uh, anything that stands out to you, Lachlan, that I hadn't, haven't mentioned uh, yet? Well, you've pointed out all of the, the big ones. Um, there's official competition that uh, Spanish flick with uh, Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas. Uh, that's also there. I saw the trailer. Actually, Kelly and I on the spectacular uh, <laughs> spinoff of the Quiet On Set podcast, we actually talked about that for a hot minute there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm actually quite interested in that in that particular film. But uh, there's a number of these I haven't heard of yet. So, um, oh, The Card Counter. That's the one I've heard of. Right. Uh, Paul Schrader ooh. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, look, there does seem to be a number of interesting movies. Obviously, the big ones are going to be there, but the small ones are looking not too bad. Yeah. And I'll be uh, catching most of these. Uh, I got an industry accreditation, so I'll be able to see most of that stuff. So, um, Flex. Yeah, yeah, I, I keep, I, I like to flex Quick about flex. That. Yeah, quick flex. Yeah, I know you like to flex. You, yeah. you did a quick flex there. Yeah, yeah. Makes me a bit mad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, also, I guess an update on your New York application that I completely forgot that I sent out to the New York Film Festival. Uh, Lachlan, you oh, also true. got declined, by the way. Damn, <laughs> That fuck. somehow landed in my spam folder, so I didn't see it before. But yeah, you're also not getting Ooh. into the New York Film Festival, which is a pity. Oh, actually, Ewan, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's the Edgar Wright uh, documentary, The Sparks Brothers. Yeah, right. Is it also in the lineup? Have you seen it? I have seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's in the lineup. Have you, you have seen it? Okay. Cool. I, the, the thing is, I've seen um, 20 films from the lineup already. <laughs> so it's oh, going to be a bit okay. easier for I me, you know. Flex. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is a flex. But I mean, out of the, all of those, I would um, I would probably give the highest praise to Mass. That's still one of my favorite movies after years so far. Oh, really? Also something cool. that I didn't mention, Lamb is also premiering uh, at the Zurich Film Festival. Uh, Another one that I'm super keen off. There's just too many movies to go check out. I'll link uh, both lists to the Zurich Film Festival and the BFI London Film Festival uh, below. Uh, there's not much more, uh, I'd say, on uh, the BFI. There's a lot of like repeating stuff. Um, biggest differences are that uh, Macbeth movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth, with Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand uh, from uh, Joe Cohn. Uh, we also are getting Belfast there. We're also getting Benedetta and Last Night in Soho. 
I think uh, that's kind of, you know, the biggest uh, hitters uh, from there. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, pro I'll probably actually be in um, London for the festival. <laughs> so if you see me and someone are there, feel free to uh, to hit me up <laughs> that I can flex that someone knows me there. No, uh, it's enough. I also I got a press accreditation if I continue flexing about that there. So My I see God, a lot of movies. Just well. Flex here. Flex yeah, I just, there. I just can't. Accreditation so, here. Accreditation there. Okay, okay. I've seen 30 fucking movies from this festival. I've seen 50 movies from this festival. I made this movie. I wrote that movie. <laughs> uh, and with that, I, I think we should just get into the show. So uh, enough of the opening banter. Let's talk about what's coming up in the show. We got trailer discussions for Last Night in Soho, Matrix Resurrections, Bergman Islands, Don't Look Up, Come On, Come On, and The Many Saints of Newark. Later on in what we've been watching, we'll talk uh, Rick and Morty Season 5. Uh, we'll also rank the first five episodes of What If and review the animated classic Akira from 1998 as part of our bi-weekly Roll That Again film club. Multiple month in the making, Lachlan getting uh, suggested it by you and yes. making uh, <laughs> watching Akira. You know, it was only our ever, I think it was our first ever film raffle that we did during Christ never, Christmas time never, last yeah. year. And you just... Never fucking watched it. Yeah, so, so I'm keen uh, that you now finally watched it in 4K. Uh, you've been caught in 4K, Ooh. now you have to watch it in 4K. It feels appropriate. Ooh. Wait till you wait to hear about the 4K edition. I yeah, I can't wait. Uh, well, I also got a review for Kate, The Voyeurs, and Dune. Yes, that Dune from 2021. Uh, Denis Villeneuve coming up later in the show. Non-spoiler review. Uh, actually, Lachlan, you know, I recorded this one without you, so no spoilers for you Thank at all. Thank you. No spoilers for me. Uh, but we'll also revisit it once it comes out on HBO Max. We'll do a spoiler review for Dune, and then finally we got a review for James Wan's new horror flick, Malignant. Plus. <laughs> We have the premiere of a new segment called Kelly's Bootleg Movie Corner. Uh, title is still subject to change, so leave your suggestions uh, on Twitter or send us an email or whatever. Uh, I think we might change up the title every week, you know, because <laughs> like it feels like a weird title to go with. But that's uh, something that comes up in the show. Um, if you want to skip around, if you're just here for Dune, then feel free to use those time codes linked below and skip to the part that you're looking for. Uh, before we get into the main part of the show, don't forget to drop those five-star reviews over on Apple Podcast, and maybe consider joining our Patreon for just one buck a month. You get a monthly bonus show and weekly bonus reviews for movies we don't get to cover on the show. But Lachlan, without further ado, let's get into the news. The news. News. <laughs> Once again, I feel like you're trying to prove that you listen to the podcast, but that was so off. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that was our that was our jingle at all. You don't need a you don't need to get music now because I just made new music for us. Great, I can I can use the news jingle at a, at another point of in the show because I could just permanently replace that with your rendition of oh, that. Excellent. Uh, but yeah, we got another trailer for Last Night in Soho. So, uh, Lachlan, once again, we agree. It looks great, right? I was agree. kind of wanting agree. you. Uh, if like, yeah, do you want to watch this? Do you not want to watch this? Because I feel like. The trailer reveals a bit too much. Um, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, after much reflection of my life in the past ten minutes, um, since we've started the podcast, yeah, uh, I've realised something, Ewan. What? What that did you realise? We, as critics, yeah. as film lovers, as film makers, we are guilty of trailer judgment. Right. We either say a trailer reveals too much or a trailer reveals nothing too vague right oh holy hollywood i have sinned 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> look, I, I, I do agree. The trailer probably gives a lot more away than it has to. However, I have hope that because this is an Edgar Wright movie, we can expect more than just a little bit of spoilers in air quotations right. from this trailer. Yeah. I, I mean, a great example of this is, I mean, uh, the movie we're talking about today, Malignant. Ma- Malignant? Malignant. Did I just say it right? Malignant. Yeah. Sorry. The, you know, the trailers give a little bit away, but in two and a half minutes, it's not going to spoil the entire movie that we're going to see. In, yeah. In, in this case, the two and a half minute trailer for Last Night in Soho. If they do spoil the movie, the trailer department has fucked up and failed. If this trailer gets you hyped, then they've done their job correctly. I think the first trailer was vague enough and this trailer gets you a bit more into what you're getting into and yeah. that gets me excited. So I think the trailer did a damn good job, even if it did reveal a little bit. The, the thing is, maybe I'm, 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 yeah, I'm overly critical to this, but I think the last trailer was just so perfect that I was like, ah, oh, do we need okay, another trailer? Okay. You know, I, I really, yeah. it, it was like top tier trailer and now it just feels like, are we adding more reveals on top of it? And I don't feel like we really needed that. But obviously, if this gets more people talking about the film and... You know, Edgar Wright films are usually not, at least uh, uh, at the box office, as successful. Um, so, you know, if that uh, a, a bit more people into the theater, then I guess, uh, yeah. you know, it's fine. I think it's got the uh, the uh, star-studded cast to draw people into the cinema. Oh, yeah. Um, but in saying that, it, you know, maybe it will be better and more successful than Baby Driver. Yeah, maybe. I don't even know if it was like, if that movie was super successful at the box office or if it bombed. I think it was. I feel like it was. You know, everyone listens to the Baby Driver soundtrack at some point when they're driving, yeah. right? Like, I well, feel like kids now, when they get their license, are, you know, turning, like getting the soundtrack as their first drive-off song. They're like, bell bottoms, bell bottoms. And they're like doing the whole fucking window wiper thing and fucking spraying the, the water and you know <laughs> they're watching fast and furious tokyo drift and and uh <laughs> if you getting their licenses we're we're doing drag races and shit and now kids are like robbing banks instead <laughs> as a baby driver <laughs> and, and they have to reset you know <laughs> that would be funny if you had a tick like that that you like couldn't do stuff unless you're listening to music uh, but yeah i i love baby driver it's one of i, I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure just because it's I feel like it's it's a great movie regardless but I think I enjoy it more than most people <laughs> but uh yeah, but yeah. Uh, last night in Soho comes out on October 29th and we're super keen for it so let's move on to our next trailer which is Bergman Island an American filmmaking couple retreat to the island for the summer to each write screenplays for their upcoming films in an act of pilgrimage to the place that inspired Bergman. As the summer and their screenplays advance, the lines between reality and fiction start to blur against the backdrop of the island's wild landscape. Yeah. You said that so beautifully. I like that. Like you line. and I could retreat into a into an island together and yeah. and screenwrite for a couple days. I'd love that. Wouldn't that be so but who, who, beautiful? Would I be uh, Tim Roth? I'm Tim Roth. You, you, no, okay. I'm Tim and I would be, I would be Ricky, uh, what's her name? Ricky Cripes. <laughs> and I would have a, yes. a weird um, French accent. Hmm? No, I would talk like uh, this. I'll be the island and you can be Tim Roth. And then you <laughs> and can, can bring step someone on to you. Be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like this trailer, dude. Uh, yeah. It looks to be one of those beautiful love story dramas. And it's actually been a genre that I've been a bit invested in at the moment you know these character study dramas and to add that mm-hmm. you know you know it's about a filmmaking couple screenwriting as someone who like you know does a bit of screenwriting on the side you know nothing advanced but just enjoys writing scripts it's in it's it's a it's a fun thing to watch you know yeah uh to see how screenwriters uh portray themselves essentially on screen so uh i'm very excited and it looked it looked honestly like it was uh just a, a very beautiful i hope it's a really short film nothing too 
good lot lengthy. Right. Um, yeah. I can see it being like a nice hour and a half in and out kind of movie, but um, mm-hmm. that's that's what I that's what I. Thought. I mean, it is a bit on the long end. It's uh, supposedly an uh, 112 minutes, uh, and I I do think that uh, yeah, it would maybe it would work well, uh, you know, because there there are those al- these elements of she's starting to write a story, and we actually get to see that story of like a more passionate mm. younger love, yeah. maybe something that she's yeah. not getting out of the relationship anymore. And I think that's a super co- cool so- concept. Uh, it's just depends on how well the balance between uh, the fiction and then the reality set in that world uh, you know if it it's goes like back doing and forth backstory nice. without having to do backstory flashbacks it's genius that is yeah it, it is it is super nice because you reflect more of like the inner desires of a character through their writing mm. especially if you notice that they like like have tendencies to include autobiographical stuff into uh the stories so I'm, I'm super keen because it's like a story about creativity uh i think we all always really enjoy those usually you know especially if it's about filmmaking so i'm super keen for bergman island as well and we don't have to wait for too long uh for too much longer because it comes out on october 15th uh hopefully oh. it will get a vod release and it's not just a uh theater cl- exclusive but uh we'll keep you posted on that and then uh, let's move on to probably the biggest trader of the week, Matri- uh, Matrix. <laughs> oh, it's just like mattresses. He's, he's been sleeping on the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> they should they should make a a company that does mattresses, and you you get hooked in, in by the neck, and it's like supposedly gives you the best sleep. But it does suck the life out of you. Uh, it's it's you get good sleep, but then you also die. <laughs> so that yeah. is Matrix. <laughs> Let's make the product. But no, uh, we're looking at Matrix Resurrections. Yeah, Lachlan. I guess going for the look and the feel because we haven't gotten a real like synopsis and plot for it yet. Uh, what did you think? Do you think this will work? Sign me the fuck up. Hell yeah. Sign me the fuck. I like how that now that we're both standing during this podcast because we both have sit stand desks, yeah. we can like move around a little bit and be like, fuck yeah. Fuck. You know, like like we can animate ourselves. I mean, it means nothing to the Roll people listening to this because I can't see shit. You have a football? <laughs> I do have a football that I almost Jesus. just right. threw. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, honestly, like uh, from from what I can see with this trailer, uh, they are going to rely on nostalgia like there's no fucking tomorrow right. um, to obviously draw audiences in and keep them engaged because obviously in terms of sequels and uh, continuations after the first Matrix movie, we know that uh, – they didn't do the the greatest job. So, you know, give them like 20 years and hopefully they've learned their mistakes, yeah. uh, made other films, and they're going to go back and do what they wanted to do in a sequel. But obviously it being the fourth one, you know, they're going to be like, all right, cool, let's try to make it like the first one. And then maybe they'll do a Matrix 5 and will be a better sequel than the sequel that was it uh, Matrix? Uh, it's not Resurgence, is it? Matrix um, Reloaded and then Revolutions. M- yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> They're, all the, they're almost all the exact same word after The Matrix with all the sequels. So yeah. it's basically the most convoluted, like, spit-off, sorry, sequels that you can get. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm excited for it uh, because I love Keanu Reeves, but I saw Jonathan Groff, so I'm fucking excited. Sign me. Yeah. I'm Neil Patrick Harris, so sign me the fuck up. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, wondering what their role is because, like, one of them is a therapist mm-hmm. and the other one is also in the real world or are we in The Matrix? I'm, like, wondering what happened because I can loosely remember what the end of, of uh, Revolution was one of them has to be the new uh uh mrs smith 
that that would be that would be fun yeah and it would be kind of a different you know role for jonathan groff to play if he ends up being that and i mean we, we did see a, a version of an agent that like changes his face uh yes so you know we might get uh like a couple of different uh people playing agents um and yep. what did you think about yaya abdul mateen the second um playing oh morpheus? as uh, it must morpheus? be yeah morpheus yeah. yeah i mean yes i'm excited uh i i, I don't know oh wait well i mean i do know why they obviously didn't bring um lawrence fishburne back uh because I'm pretty sure he died. Wait, no, Lawrence. In the Matrix. Oh, he did not die in the Matrix. Uh, oh, yeah, no. I thought you meant Lawrence Fishburne in real life died. No, no, no. Like, not like Lawrence Fishburne actually died. I'm talking about his I'm talking about Morpheus actually dying. Have you ever uh, seen that seen that Kia commercial that uh Lawrence Fishburne does where he just starts singing? No. Wait, I gotta show this to you. I oh, know, I've got it, I've got it. Oh, you I've found it? it the Kia spot? <laughs> All right, let's live watch the Kia spot. <laughs> Are you watching it right now already? Okay. How did his glasses uh, stay on his face? I, f- I feel like this is the, like the biggest sell- sellout you could possibly do, <laughs> you know. And this was one of the the most expensive ads ever made. The funny thing is, I'm actually looking at buying a Kia. <laughs> My God, he's got a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> yeah, so so different to his speaking voice. I love it. You know, he's got a lot of range. No one ever says that. Lawrence Fishburne has a lot of range. I mean, maybe some people do, but not a singing range. What year was this? 2014. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was actually in 2014 as well. That's like, <laughs> what is Kia doing? It is so late to do a Matrix themed, uh, you know, commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that was stunning. I love it. But yeah, to, to anyone back, because like obviously we're not in we're not an audio visual podcast, which is a visual podcast. You couldn't watch along with us, but just uh, mm-hmm. search for Kia Matrix commercial and you'll get it, and uh, you'll see what we were talking about. But uh, yeah, Lachlan, right? He's got a, a great singing voice. <laughs> oh, he's stunning, stunning voice. The reason it was so expensive was getting him singing lessons to prep him for the ad. <laughs> they did it like in Le Miserable. It was actually filmed live, and the Kia is so quiet that it was possible. Uh, it was. 2014 so obviously uh Lawrence Fishburne went through the same training that they did in Whiplash he was he was like he was sweating he was literally like like they were like hey man we've got we've got six months uh, sorry we've got two weeks until we've got the recording of the ad we need to do six months of opera training and he's like yeah sure it's just literally like a like a uh, Whiplash montage oh man that's perfect I feel like he would turn into J.K. Simmons's character and then whenever the guy in the front is like driving he's like it's like stops his singing it's like not not quite my time not my tempo. <laughs> uh, not quite my acceleration faster. <laughs> yeah, with the perfect acceleration with Kia, you'll never have this issue. <laughs> they should have gone uh, super meta. I think. They, anyways, back to Matrix Resurrections. How do you feel about the marketing? Because there was like one shot in particular where Keanu Reeves <laughs> is like in the bathtub and there's a duck on him, and I was like, this is constructed to be a meme, uh, and they know it. And they've done it. I they think did it. you know they won the internet. Yeah, they did win the internet. Exactly. It's like when Keanu Reeves walked out on a on stage for cyberpunk they, they won they, they won they <laughs> literally won the internet you are breathtaking and literally the same thing happened here like yeah. you, you put a you put a duck on keanu reeves head in the bathtub sold every person's gonna see this movie now yeah everyone everyone yeah um so i'm i'm super keen for it i thought the back end of the trailer showed a lot of action and mm. i feel like cgi heavy stuff just kind of it works in the matrix if they don't look, make it look shit but if there's enough money behind well, it um so you know, i hope it great. does look shit i hope like i hope <laughs> they pulled out the same computer that they did the original uh effects on to do it in the <laughs> matrix because obviously like you know 
That would be sick, right? I hope they spend all the money on that rubber duck because that rubber oh, duck like, was oh, yeah. not sitting on Keanu Reeves' head. Because they ran out of money right at the end, so they had to use it on CGI. They were like working with their marketing firm and they had like 20 different versions of where the duck would be. And finally they had an epiphany and put mm. it on his head. Uh, so, you know, that had to be done in post for sure. Mm. It's unfortunate that they, they had to do this so late because obviously they were originally going to do the entire movie in CGI, but <laughs> Space Jam 2 beat them to that. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking, do you think uh, it's it's more on the route to be a more of like a space Space Jam 2 or more of a Blade Runner? What what direction I'm do you hoping... think we're going more into? <laughs> um, so when you say Space Jam situation, what do you mean by a Space Jam situation? You know, the movie's, movie's, like, you know, the movie's pretty shit. <laughs> we can agree on it. Okay. So it's like, you know, overly reference heavy, no substance, just a quick cash grab, basically. Okay. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think it's more of like a Back to the Future Part 3 situation. Oh, okay. Where it's like, everyone loves the second one. And then the third one, it's like... Oh, but Western. Oh, yeah. It's there. Yeah. It's going to be... It's No one hates it. It's part of it now, right? Right. And that's where the sequels originally came out. And everyone was like, these are shit. Now everyone's like, yeah, you know what? They're shit, but it's part of this trilogy. I'm yeah. hoping it does the same thing. It just adds on to it. Also, 2 and 3 is kind of one big movie that it just spliced up and then released like a half a year apart from each other, I think. So, you know, you could I consider this being like... I hope it's more like Hellboy 2, the Golden Army, where it's still like, it's not the best, but it's still good because right. it's the same people who did it. And our next uh, trailer that we're looking at is simultaneously the instructions that they gave to Keanu Reeves while they shot that rubber duck on his head. And it's don't look up. Two low-level astronomers upon discovering that a meteor will strike the Earth in six months go on a media tour to try to warn the world but find a unreceptive and unbelieving populace. So this is the new Adam McKay movie starring a star-filled cast with Leonardo DiCaprio. We got Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, the one and only Timmy, Jonah Hill, Ariana Grande, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Kit Cuddy. Uh, yeah, among the greats, you know, Ariana Grande, great actress mm. Mm. <laughs> from Sam and Cat. Uh, but yeah, luckily, what did you, what did you make of uh, this trailer for Don't Look Up? I enjoyed the trailer. It was a cool trailer. Um, unfortunately, I actually haven't seen many, if any, of Adam McKay's filmography. I mean, you've seen Step Brothers, I'm sure. I haven't. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've seen Step Brothers. Yes, yes, yes. When I, I lie, I'm just getting this guy completely fucking mixed up with every single other director. I, I like. mean, he, he's he gone more of like a, a political route with like Vice and like political drama comedy bits with the big short and Vice. Um, Anchorman, I saw that. Uh, Step Brothers, I saw that. The other guys, I saw that. Anchorman 2, I saw that. Uh. Oh, big sure. Oh, okay. Okay. No, we're all good. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> so you're seeing basically like all of his movies. <laughs> you just didn't know he was. I just haven't seen, I just haven't seen Vice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, me neither. And I, I guess I've also only seen uh, two of his other films. But but yeah, I, I guess this looks pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if a big star filled cast with a lot of like really renowned and like, I think most of them do have like an Oscar, at least the first four, like Leo, Jennifer, Meryl and Kate. Kate Blanchett. Does I don't know. Are you sure that Timmy doesn't have one? Timmy doesn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I think he was. I don't know who was nominated uh, when Call Me by Your Name came out, but um, I don't know if he was even nominated. Oh, okay. I think Jonah Hill has also been nominated. So it's like, a, at least from the Academy standpoint, um, you know, it, it's a pretty star filled cast. It will probably be one that will pop up in the Oscar conversation. You know, they usually have that one, at least one like quirky comedy in there <laughs> with like at least a little bit of political uh, subtext, I guess, to it. And I I mean, we already got that from Jonah Hill's character, who's, I think, playing probably the president or like some person in the White House. But yeah, I mean, this looks fun. I, I don't, I can't really tell uh, what the bulk of the movie will be about, but I mean, it looks pretty funny. Uh, let's move on to a movie that I'm super
super keen for uh, after seeing this first trailer, and it's Come On, Come On, a documentary filmmaker whose latest project involves gifted children, bonds with his smart yet sensitive nephew, whose father struggles with bipolar disorder and is in the grips of a manic episode. Lachlan, thoughts? An Oscar Beatty character whose Oscar Beatty idea bonds with his Oscar Beatty nephew, which Oscar Beatty, which, <laughs> sorry, uh, when I first watched this, I was like, oh, it's Oscar Beatty kind of, uh, no, it's just an A24 film that I hope they yeah. just get an Oscar with because, man, I like to see some acting chops, so I'm very excited for this artsy-fartsy movie. That's what I've got to say because I know it's going to piss off you in the way I've said it. <laughs> He's so excited for this film and he's walked away from the... Okay, I did walk back. away to close my window so the people outside don't, don't hear me scream at you right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I like I, I didn't really hear a lot about this movie. I was just like, oh, Joaquin Phoenix. That's got to be great. You know, a character study with him. <laughs> Get me involved. Uh, is Robert De Niro in it? Is it inspired by Button Scorsese? Maybe I won't like it as much. No, but this looks really down to earth. A really human story. I know some people have already seen it. Uh, I guess... Cole from the Oscar expert, he's seen it. And he told me that the uh, performance from the kid is uh, amazing. So, you know, that was my one thing, uh, holding it back for being super excited about it. Like, does the kid work, you know, in it? Uh, because that's kind of the downfall if it doesn't. Obviously, Joaquin Phoenix, the master, made it work uh, and has that chemistry. So I'm just super keen to see uh, where this will go. Uh, <laughs> just watching the trailer, I was already like, oh, I know I'm going to cry at uh, like watching this movie at least three times. I can already tell. So I'm super keen for it <laughs> to be emotionally destroyed. Uh, the movie doesn't have a set release date yet. It's premiering at the New York Film Festival right now, uh, but it's coming out sometime in November. And then uh, last but not least, we have The Many Saints of Newark uh, trailer coming out uh, pretty soon on October 1st on HBO Max. This is a Sopranos prequel um, from Alan Taylor, who I found out made For the Dark World. <laughs> I don't know if I'm now excited for this movie, like less excited or more excited for it. But it's set in the 60s during race riots between African-American and Italian communities. The war between the cultural mobs turns especially lethal. Amongst the cast that I think is noteworthy, not the leads though, uh, is Roy, uh, Ray Liotta, uh, John Burfall and Leslie Odom Jr. Uh, so yeah, I don't think we have much to add to this. I think we've already talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's just, uh, I think, probably the last trailer that will come out. Um, I feel like I, I praised it before that it looks like a really fun, thrilling crime mob mafia story. So hope, hopefully it delivers on that and uh, we'll definitely have a review for it. I think at least I do because I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, Lachlan, you are not that into mafia stories yourself. You, you, I think you haven't even seen The Godfather, right? I haven't seen Godfather 1, 2 or 3. Or the remake of three. <laughs> uh, you, you're in the same boat as Kelly then. Uh, but I think she, she has also seen like a lot of other, she also hasn't seen a lot of other films that are like big classics. But yeah, maybe maybe someday. But I also haven't seen The Sopranos. So I'm, I guess I'm not as keen for a, a prequel. You know, I'm not involved in that world that much. Um, but let's get to this week's stories. First up, we got Shang-Chi's box office success. Uh, it kind of overperformed at the box office. It had the uh, biggest Labor Day weekend with 94 million, actually making 60 million more than The Sixth Sense uh, when that came out like 22 years ago or something like that. Uh, currently, it's sitting at 120 million in the US and uh, a total of 175 million internationally. So I guess quite a big success. Uh, one of the biggest movies uh, um, coming post-COVID era. So uh, that's nice to see that maybe for some movies, uh, people are going back to the theaters for. And uh, Lachlan, you were right. I read up on this. And yes, Shang-Chi apparently is not getting a 
Chinese release date because of some comments that uh, the lead Simu Liu made. Uh, so yeah, apparently it's gonna, I guess, not make as much internationally as it could if it were to premiere in the Chinese market. Disney execs cry in their sleep. Yeah, they came and now they're <laughs> crying themselves. Jesus. <laughs> we are a movie podcast. We can agree about that, Lachlan, right? But sometimes things cross over, uh, especially if movie IPs get turned into video games. So I thought it was appropriate if we quickly touch on the PlayStation Showcase. Uh, is there anything you're keen for? Uh, God of War Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. It looked really similar. I guess they are using pretty much the same engine, I assume. It's a sequel. It's the same developer. Yeah. And obviously it's a continuation of the story. So looking similar can make make, make sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously. Yeah, yeah. But new locations, all that yada yada, very exciting. Um, It's given me the idea that I don't know why as a sequel they don't just do it I mean, obviously to make money, but why don't they combine the games where in number two, I can do the story of number one if I own it in my library. So right. I can do one continuation on. Oh, is it a as, continuation as a, of the story? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, oh a, that's, it's a sequel. Oh, it's a continuation. Have you played the first one? I, I haven't. No, I've, I don't know if you I own should it. Should I Twitch stream the entire game so you can watch it? I would watch it. I think I would watch it before <laughs> before I would uh, actually play it. You know, I used to uh, love to watch a lot of like playthroughs from people who uh, can actually play video games. Games. I'm just horrible at it. <laughs> and I kind of stopped doing that because I purchased a bunch of games that I said, oh yeah, I'm going to play this later. I know the game exists. I know it's great. But then I'm in the dilemma. If I watch it, then I'll probably won't have as good a time playing it. So I don't watch it yep. and I don't play it. And I'm missing out on okay. both of both things. But it's definitely on my, you know, um, on, my, on my playlist. What do you say to this? It's not music, it's not playlist. It's not on my watch list, it's not a movie. What do you say for games that you want to play? Wish list. A wish list. Well, that's before you purchase it. Lachlan, I think we 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 are in a dilemma now. What, what, what do I do now? I don't I don't know what to mm. call it. But yeah, no, I haven't played God of War, but I, I really want to play it. Um, same goes for the other sequel <laughs> that was announced, uh, Spider Man Two with Venom, uh, coming out at some point in twenty twenty three. So quite a long uh wait until uh then. Uh, Lachlan, you you played the first Spider Man, right? Correct. Yeah, and I also still haven't played it. <laughs> I did start. I played like twenty minutes. Would you like me minutes. to do a Twitch stream? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I think we just want you to Twitch stream. I think that's that's the bottom line. I'm really wanting to do it so you can uh, so you can experience these video games. Yeah, I mean, um, please do. <laughs> Maybe it would be kind of weird time wise. You know, I I gotta stay up really late at night <laughs> or get up early. Yeah, true. Four in the morning true. to see you play. But I would do it. I would do it. I would. I'd watch your vods. Um, I'm sure people would be interested actually in that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, there was also an announcement for Wolverine um, from the same developers that do the Spider-Man games. There was just a cinematic uh, trailer for it, and it just said in development. So, luckily, I'm keen for that one as well. Uh, if they did a good job with Spider-Man, I'm sure they can do a good job with Wolverine, as long as it's not M-rated like Spider-Man was, because I want to see a lot of violence. Right. I want to see a lot of violence with that one. But, you know, yeah, do what you need to do. I feel like what works great with Spider-Man is that we get to explore the whole city, and I feel like with Wolverine, Wolverine, mm. they would probably have to stick to maybe a bit of more of a linear story, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Possibly. Probably. But I, I feel like they could do a great job with it. And then uh, lastly, the, the 
the one other notable thing was the announcement of a Knights of the Old Republic remake, a Star Wars game. I think that is pretty beloved. Uh, have you played the original? I haven't played the original. That's one of the ones I haven't played on this list. I wish I could do uh, three for three that you asked me about. But yeah. uh, no, I, I, I've heard a lot of good things and uh, I would like to actually play the remake. It's kind of like how I never really played the original Resident Evil games, but I do get to experience with these remakes that just came out. Right. Yeah. Same deal with Knights of Old Republic. I'd like to do, uh, experience it. Yeah. Uh, I might even check it out myself as well. I, or I put it on my wish list <laughs> or watch list or playlist um, <laughs> and then never actually play it. But yeah, I mean, super keen for, for those games. Uh, I feel like Sony had quite a strong press conference there uh, in announcing new stuff, you know, because they haven't had a lot of uh, exclusive games for their console and just not a lot of stuff coming out. I, I just felt like like nothing that I was interested in and that was pretty big. So this is, I think, pretty good for them. Uh, anyways, let's move on to this week's new releases for Friday, September 17th. We got Blue Bayou, uh, Cry Macho over on HBO Max. Everybody's talking about Jamie on Prime Video. Prisoners of the Ghostland on VOD. <laughs> we'll be checking that one out for an upcoming Drunkast. And the eyes of Tammy Faye. But yeah, let us know what you've been watching over on Twitter. And we'll actually get into a new segment for the show. Lachlan, are you keen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get to Kelly's bootleg movie summaries. Well, hello. Welcome to this, I guess, new segment that we're going to have on the podcast. I don't, it doesn't even have a name, but we'll just roll with it. Ewan's going to make up some uh, cringy name. It does have a name now. Yeah, but it's pretty cringy. I will be explaining movies or summarizing them. And we will see if the two guys, if they can actually figure out what movie it is. Why are we doing this? Because I am currently in Dublin, Ireland for around four months, meaning I do not have a microphone. All I have is my phone. Current alcohol level in my blood, possibly zero, maybe some residue from last night. I really can't say, but I will be doing these clips at different levels of uh, alcohol content. And she's been blood. drinking like a maniac. The Irish have gotten to her. Did they have, yeah. They have. Yep. Yeah, she has a collection of white claws in her room that she sends to me sometimes. So if I'm slurring my words, great. If I'm not, even better. I think she already told me that a bunch of them, she's like super drunk. Let's get right into it. The first movie, I chose this with care. Okay. First of all, I haven't seen it. Okay. It is from a very popular director, an old man, old, old, old man. So many old men. I've seen a variation of this. I'm guessing it's a man. Right, right. Oh my God. With what? his maybe wife. <laughs> his maybe wife. Oh. Yes. Oh, he had a baby wife before. And She's now dead. I think he had a Yes, he had a wife before. Oh, I know the movie. I, I know the movie already. Ooh, this is an easy one. But now she's dead. So he marries another woman. I don't think you've seen this look. And the guy has like, he's kind of aggressive and stuff about the old wife stuff. So the new wife kind of feels out of place. Yeah, he's he's kind of a dick, actually. And then I well, I don't know. I haven't seen it. But yeah, then they kind of they have this crappy marriage that is kind of overshadowed by the dead wife. And then, yeah, bada bing, bada boom. And then they're happy, I guess. <laughs> right. Bada bing, bada, bada boom. Be. OK, maybe I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think we'll pause it here. We'll each have our separate guesses. Uh, Lachlan, do you have a guess? Because uh, <laughs> I think I know what this movie is. Uh, okay, my guess is uh, Hotel for Cats and Dogs. <laughs> what? <laughs> is that? Okay, <laughs> explain. I, I need a bit more. 
<laughs> I think it's all a metaphor. Oh right, yeah. What she said is all just like it's not meant to be taken literally. literally. Right, yeah. That's why my 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 guess is Hotel for Cats and Dogs. <laughs> I don't even know what that movie is. I've never heard of that. It's like, like part of the Cats and Dogs or Cats versus Dogs series. No, no. <laughs> it's a hotel for cats and dogs. I doubted like <laughs> that. Kelly picked that, but I think she was talking about an old man before. So my immediate first thought was Hitchcock, and then she talked about a marriage where someone was dead, and then I was like, ooh, this is the Oscar-nominated Rebecca, maybe? Rebecca? Yes, oh. maybe. But then she said they had a happy marriage at the end, and that's not how that movie ends. So let's just hear what uh, Kelly was describing. Okay, if you didn't get it, the next hint is it's from 1940. Oh, it is from 1940. Any ideas? Any yeah, no, confirm. I'm talking to myself here. Fuck, Hotel for Cats and Dogs is not from 1940. We, we should have listened a bit longer because she literally just said you ruined it's from me. 1940. You ruined me. You paused it too early. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pre-listen to this. I didn't know that she wouldn't just spout out. Oh yeah, no, it's Rebecca. But uh, I know now for because I know that movie comes out in 1940 that it was in fact 1940. Alfred Hitchcock. Rebecca. Rebecca. Hell yeah. yeah. Ooh, first strong goes to me. See, I've seen the second one, the remake, but I haven't seen the original. And I don't even remember what it was about. But if you got it, ding, 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 one point for you. Congrats. I will see you next episode. Bye, Bye. Kelly. Bye, Kelly. Thank you for the ding, ding, ding points that I just got. She does all of her commentary and sound effects herself. <laughs> yeah. Going forward, we don't have any money anymore for Epidemic Sound. So we'll have to do our own jingles, uh, you know. Mm. I'm happy that I got that actually <laughs> I thought this was going to be super hard but then uh, I guess you haven't seen Rebecca right so that was a bit harder for you right? oh it's called Hotel for Dogs forgive me I got it wrong I forgot no one likes cats so <laughs> it's literally just Hotel for Dogs it's actually about interracial marriage or interspecial marriage between cats and dogs it wasn't accepted mm. it's a real real uh, Romeo and Juliet type of story mm. and uh, yeah I guess that was it for Kelly's bootleg movie reviews uh, movie summaries and uh, she'll be back next week I think she sent me a bunch of ones where she was like out or she was just drinking a lot so good <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting upcoming uh weeks i'm looking forward to it but uh let's get to what we've been watching So uh, I'll start off with what I've been watching and uh, I've seen Kate and the Voyeurs. Uh, I also have watched Afterlife, After Party, uh, Sweet Girl, Dating in New York, and I recently watched Blade Runner 2049. And uh, I'll also probably sneak in Prey. I haven't seen that one yet, but that will all be a really stacked bonus episode on Patreon. So go check that out. Okay, so first up, we got the Voyeurs. Pippa and Thomas move into their dream apartment. They notice that their windows look directly into the apartment opposite inviting them to witness the volatile relationship of the attractive couple across the street. But when they attempt to anonymously intercede in their lives, they unwittingly set in motion a chain of events leading to deadly consequences. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what happens in The Voyeurs. Uh, obviously, uh, that lockline already kind of spoils uh, the big chunk of the movie. Um, so I don't feel that bad, maybe. Uh, telling you guys a bit more about it. So I guess uh, minor spoiler warnings uh, for the rest of this review. It stars Sidney Sweeney and Justice Smith. We also got Ben Hardy and Natasha Leo uh, Bordizo. Uh, those are our main uh, four people um, with Seb and Julia being the couple from across the street and <laughs> Pippa and Thomas uh, being the I guess newlywed couple. Uh, I don't know if they're even um, married. I don't know. They're definitely just moving in together. They seem to be have been in a relationship for quite some time. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this movie uh, in regards to references to maybe Rear Window. There's 
a lot of shots where we just like get the same free windows, I guess, of other people living on that block. But I don't think it ever spends enough attention on just the act of of watching someone, the, the, vo the voyeuristic view that comes with it. It's more sensationalizing the dramatic elements of what it would entice to actually uh, spy on someone. And it doesn't even go into that theme a lot of what it means to lose your one's privacy. And it is then way more concerned about what would happen in the most dramatic fashion if one were to intercede, you know? Uh, if one were to destroy uh, someone else's maybe relationship by what they've seen. Um, I'm not saying anything more. I think, uh, I think I've think i already kind of said enough about the plot, but it's not like you're going to be surprised by it. Uh, although, like, there is... Uh, a, a twist, you know, that uh, might that might catch some people by surprise. Uh, it, it didn't really, for me, it, it was quite surprising overall, the way that the story built to it. Uh, I don't think it was in a super satisfying way. And uh, overall, I think the movie is just decent. I mean, it's not terrible. Uh, I think there's a lot of capable filmmaking um, in there uh, visually and narratively, and the performances are also quite good. Um, and I gave it a 4 out of 10. Moving on to Kate, a Netflix original that uh, I enjoyed a bit more than The Voyeurs, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead as a badass assassin killer. And the only big issue that I have with the film is that it's not anything new. It's like the assassin that wants to retire has the one last kill. The kind of job doesn't go as smoothly. Here it involves her killing the dad of, of a little girl and that little girl then being their lives being intertwined and all the shenanigans that happen from there. So the logline says, after she's irreversibly poisoned, a ruthless criminal operative has less than 24 hours to exact revenge on her enemies, and in the process forms an unexpected bond with the daughter of one of her past victims. So they already kind of, I guess, uh, spoiled one of the uh, key like plot points that she does get poisoned, and that happens after she wants to leave. Make of that what you will. Uh, I think it already kind of tells you exactly uh where the story is going um it's it's nothing new it's nothing original uh, the only reason why i had quite a good time of it is because mary elizabeth winston is a fucking badass in this movie uh she kicks ass and uh, it's really entertaining to see some of the fight choreography is, is quite satisfying um it's obviously you know there's a lot of john wick-esque there's even a reloading battle <laughs> towards the end uh so it, it's like it's heavy in that but obviously john wick isn't is also a revenge thing but it's not uh about like another connection that he makes with with another person it's usually him solo and i think the dynamic between the girl annie and kate uh worked quite well so i gave kate a, a probably pretty generous six out of ten but if you're into revenge action thrillers you're not going to be surprised at all but you're definitely going to be entertained at the least so uh let's talk about yoon from 2021 um i mean it's no secret that Denis Villeneuve is one of my all-time favorite directors. He might even be my favorite director working today. I love Blade Runner 2049, for example. I think Arrival is great. Prisoners might be my favorite thriller of all time. So, you know, what does he deliver now uh, when he does another adaptation of an already kind of existing property? You know, it's it's a book adaptation. It's an adaptation of a, of a big classic science fiction novel. How does that translate uh, to the screen? Well, I got to say it translates beautifully in a cinematic, just captivating world that draws you in 
with every shot. Uh, it, it looks amazing. And I feel like the movie might have its biggest achievements on the more technical side and the cinematography in the sound design, in the music, that is amazing. Um, but it doesn't really hold it that strongly in the narrative. Uh, although I did find a lot of the a lot of the world building consider, uh, concerning uh, the different houses and the emperor and all that stuff really interesting, and I never got past the first hundred pages of Dune. I just couldn't fit it in. Good to know this is only Dune Part One. Hopefully, this movie makes makes a bit of money. I mean, it must have cost a shit ton to look uh, this amazing. And I mean, if we know one thing after Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that a lot of money uh, thrown at the film's uh, visual effects and having an IP that's almost forty years old does not mean that people will storm the cinema and actually hand you their money. Uh, so hopefully uh, this will be a bit different for Dune so we do get that uh, sequel. But yeah, uh, performance-wise, I don't think that anyone is uh, really handed like that much uh, to work with because it is that straightforward uh, science fiction uh, narrative that is about, you know, a hero emerging and and different cultures, you know, it's it's more about the costumes that tell a lot of the story. And I feel like what you are given is a is a set of really capable actors that don't have to do a lot to sell you on this world just because it is visually really grabbing you already. Uh, not to say that anyone was bad or not, uh convincing i just don't think that like any of them uh, are giving like the best performances of their career but that might just be because they're all like really good um actors i mean timothy chalamet uh, does a great job as the lead and rebecca ferguson is great oscar isaac is great josh brolin uh stellan skarsgård was almost unrecognizable as the baron dave batista and uh, he he wasn't always too convincing in the scenes he took me out of the uh immersion sometimes <laughs> so he, he was uh, quite a lot but and uh Zendaya, i think she might play a bigger part in the second film she didn't have too much to do uh in this one but i obviously don't want to spoil anything if you've been looking forward to this film and are concerned if it lifts up lifts up to your hype i i do think that for a lot of people it, it will work out but i think you just need to go in not hyping this up as a huge action sci-fi it's it's has a lot of like down and like somber and slow moments um that are then uh, kind of slowly building to more like a, a rise and fall, you know, of the tension. So I think narrative overall uh, was really enticing. I couldn't, I, I had my eyes glued onto the screen and I know this will get a HBO release uh, late October, uh, but I do urge everyone, if possible, if it's safe, to go see this in, in, on the biggest screen possible. Uh, the same with Blade Runner 2049, you know, that was uh, just a, a visual explosion. <laughs> Uh, of of creativity and 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 such a different world uh, on the screen and I feel like Dune is quite similar. I am super high on it. I feel like I might even go down with my rating, but currently uh, I gave it a nine out of ten. Although it's definitely closer to an eight than a ten, but I did have a really good time with it. So uh, hopefully, uh, when this releases uh, worldwide over the next month, a lot of people will get to see it as well. So go support this movie. I do really want to see the sequel. Yeah, let us know your thoughts over on Twitter or uh, through an email. Um, I'm super interested to see the uh, general reaction and our listeners' reaction to uh, Dune. Um, we'll revisit this film once Lachlan has seen it uh, and it is out for everyone to see on HBO Max. So we'll do a full-on spoiler review. Uh, that's why I kind of kept it light 
in here just kind of giving my general thoughts about it and uh yeah let's get back to the show lachlan let's get to our season review for rick and morty this wasn't something that i i was expecting we'd ever talk about on the show but i guess we're talking about rick and morty so first up overall this season did you enjoy it compared to other ones was it like better or worse um i wouldn't say the entire season i enjoyed i feel like it's the one of the the weaker seasons but i also think that it's got some really strong episodes in it mm -hmm. but no yeah i think uh, i i do prefer the older some of the older seasons as a whole yeah. but when we talk about our favorite episode i'll explain why i think it's not only my favorite episode in the season but my favorite episode in the entire show oh wow okay you liked it that much that, that is interesting yeah um i also thought it was a bit of a weaker uh season compared to others uh but i i, I did enjoy the like kind of one-off adventures that i mean rick and morty mostly does but it didn't really have anything that really stayed with me for a longer time um but I think the the show can be like quite funny still. I don't think they're like super original anymore because like the whole thing of just like littering references into your show or movie has just been done so much uh, since like 2013, 14 when the first season first came out. So so you know it doesn't feel like distinctly different from a lot of other stuff that is coming out. Um, but uh, but yeah, what was your your favorite episode out of the entire show then? So my favorite episode was the Rick Covenant Mort. Um, and that's the Planetina episode. Oh my God, Lachlan. We're vibing so much. That was also my favorite episode of the season. Yeah? Why, yeah. why did you like it so much? Well, I don't know. By the end, it just, it, it felt to me like they were doing a really silly, funny story, but it had a lot of like truth underneath it. So it was like mm -hmm. the whole package deal of what you want out of a, a Rick and Morty episode. Stuff that you can go like, well, actually, mm, if you think about it, this is actually like really accurate. You can be an annoying Rick and yeah. Morty watcher, but also it's like filled with spoofs and you're just having a good time. Um, but yeah, why did you like it so much? I agree with like, it's a, a Rick and Morty episode that has a good message behind it in a way. And it's like a, like something that you can, you know, talk about. Yeah. Um, cause obviously it's about uh, global catastrophes and probably like you said, just global warming and yeah. what can go down. But then, right, it also has, like, superheroes in it and also, like, the boys thing that it brings in. So many. It so. makes fun of Power Rangers and superheroes. Oh, yeah. It both makes fun of both sides of global catastrophes. It makes mm -hmm. fun of, again, people who push really hard to save the environment and those who don't push at all um, to save the environment. Because right. that's what Rick and Morty is good at, is making fun of any side, essentially. Yeah. Um, but it has, one of the, it has some of the funniest jokes from the season. <laughs> like, uh, the end credit scene of the worm that, you know, had gay sex with his dad and then at the end of the end credit scene it's just like him walking in i was like that that's funny that's funny yeah. and then mm -hmm. rick and summer because this story is all about both rick and morty finding love in quotations and rick and summer go on a little adventure to like uh katiki tour the apocalypse of multiple planets yeah uh and have ma miraculous fucking butt sex as they explain it to be <laughs> yeah. but then it also is juxtaposed against one of the most heartbreaking moments in morty's storyline and i think the main thing that stuck with me the most was the soundtrack the right. um in in that episode it has the uh the the song i am the antichrist to you uh, and that's yeah. the song that plays right at the end and by the end i was thinking man why am i essentially about to cry to a rick and morty episode <laughs> so i really <laughs> like it when it when it, there's a tv show that does a twist like this where it not like twist is in like a, a story twist but mm. it changes its head and it, it can do a different kind of genre and make you feel things because at this point most people are invested in the rick and morty storyline because obviously yeah. it's pretty much like a so essentially it's like an anthology series 
series because, you know, most people believe that each episode takes place in a different universe and then some of it, you know, takes place in the same universe and it's a continuous story, but each adventure is a bit different. But when you, you know, have this one little story that, you know, not only has a, a, the monologue from Morty when he walks out of the house with like with his parents is insane. And again, that song plays in the background of that, uh, in, in that uh, monologue. And then it goes on to be like this really depressing episode. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> this movie, this episode, this, 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 this TV show is great. Yeah, like, yeah. This TV show can really slap. And then the rest of the season was kind of, uh, uh, the returnal friend shine of a spotless mort was a very, very close second with him and uh, Bird Person. And the backstory was really, really good. Yeah, I think that was another like uh, stronger episode. I mean, I wouldn't say that the finale really did it for me, which was, I guess, like the biggest callback to uh, previous seasons with like even Evil Morty. But I had forgotten yeah. so much about it that I really didn't care because it's so, you know, almost anthology based. And whenever they tie it in and it's something simple like Bird Person yeah. and Rick. Uh, I think it works. You know, it also had those, those heartfelt moments. The season was a lot about like breakup mm. to me. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff worked pretty well. I guess one of the lower uh, rated episodes was Rick Dependent Spray, which was like the... <laughs> It, it was the the incest space baby episode. I don't know what you thought of a no, horse breeding incest space baby episode. I, I I'd call it. Uh, what did you think of that one? <laughs> uh, that was definitely a meme yeah, one, nah. right? That they were like, <laughs> Nah, I'm good, boss. That was a, oh yeah, that was just a terrible fucking. Uh, I thought also the, the one where they hunted uh, like other versions of the family or whatever. I can't uh, clearly remember what oh. the actual premise was, but it was just like them killing other versions of themselves over and over again. I guess that was a fun bit uh, you know, of action, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that was fun to see the different variations of Rick and Morty, but yeah, yeah it was. I feel that joke is so done so often in, in that series of like different versions. Um, So I don't know, it feels a bit played out. I can feel that, but uh, yeah, just to treat them as just uh, props at this point, just like slaughtering through them, I guess it can be quite entertaining. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then, uh, let's move on to what if uh, the first five episodes are out, uh, Lachlan. Um, you talked about it last week. Did you, yeah, did your thoughts change a bit after you've seen uh, uh, the latest two? Nope. Uh, I mean, the, because we're about to rank them and you'll see which ones are my favorite, but best episode of the season so far has been Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. Yeah, I agree. And then the zombie episode follow up was kind kind of just like a okay that that's i mean zombies cool zombies exclamation Yay. mark question mark <laughs> wow. wow what if what if there were zombies but they were uh, in the mcu <laughs> uh but yeah no let's just do the ranking i feel like we cool. can maybe touch on what what doesn't work in the show uh after but uh yeah i think uh Joined first would be, uh, again, the Doctor Strange episode. What would be the second one for you then? Uh, T'Challa becomes Star-Lord. This is why we have a podcast. We agree on this. Oh, shit. <laughs> now, onto the money question. What is your third one? I'm actually, I, I don't even, I think this is hard. Uh, mine is the, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? All right, I would probably go with um, the zombies one. Same bad guy okay. in both of them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then mine goes zombies. And then I would go Captain Carter. I think the worst one so far was what if the world lost its mightiest heroes. But oh, yeah. really? Because I, I I have Captain Carter last, and I just like the end of uh, what if the world lost its mightiest heroes with Loki being the fucking bad guy and also the good guy. I don't know. I just enjoyed that one since Loki. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like it's the same as <laughs> when last time you looked at my MCU list and you didn't like my rankings for the lower half. I was like, yeah, at this, I, I can talk about that. <laughs> 
I just I thought that uh, Doctor Strange was fine, um, like by far the best. And then T'Challa became Star Lord was was yeah, it was decent. And the rest just wasn't good, uh, like at all. So like I don't really care. They have really good ideas, but I think because of the length and how much they squeeze into it, it just unfortunately doesn't work. What? <laughs> Dude, this, the zombies one was so so bad tonally with like the jokes, the, the, the like overall MCU quippiness, and then they had a lot of like brutal actual like murder happening with the zombies. It just yeah, it that didn't was work. Hardcore. It was. It was it was clashing really hard. Uh, Falcon literally got cut in half. You would yep. never see that in the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he literally got cut in half. Uh, I don't know what do you feel how you feel about the the animation style. Um, I'm not a fan of it like at all. Uh, what what do okay. you think about that? Do you like it? The way I got to describe this is if you were to squeeze this into Love Death Robots, where would it stand? For, for because for me, I think it would stand within my my preferred visual cartoon style out of all of the animation cartoon style that's how i'm kind of comparing it because obviously right. they're all the same uh animation style yeah. i like it. it it's kind of like a cleaner borderlands uh animation yeah. yeah and i guess i'm not too big on like the borderlands design as well maybe that's why it, it feels almost like a a bit of a um not rotoscoping what is it called when you uh, animate on top of uh, something that's already been recorded with an actual camera it just looks a bit flat to me in a lot of the scenes and it didn't help that i thought the a lot of the voice performances were kind of weak um mm. it just didn't really match with me uh it just didn't really you know sync up a lot of times not not like actually that it wasn't like that they actually messed up syncing something but it just it looked off to me i, I just didn't really enjoy the overall visual style uh, out of the four remaining episodes uh which will be one of them i guess another zombies one um the iron man killmonger thing and vision as infinite ultron with the guardians of the multiverse and then the last one not being announced yet uh, i guess which one are you most keen for the one that's not announced the last one that's not announced yet <laughs> there's a potential <laughs> there's potential in yeah. that one what it's like what if just three question marks and it's just like the <laughs> fucking blood orgy what if and it's just a blank screen you get to imagine now let's shift into the MCU. <laughs> I think the best thing out of this is unfortunately the worst thing for us MCU fans. And obviously uh, Hope goes inside of Sharon and like explodes her, which means yeah. Ant-Man could have gone into Thanos' butt. He could have. He could have. Like it's possible. Maybe maybe, it's doable. maybe maybe in Zombies 2 that's how they'll defeat Thanos. Oh, I, ho I hope so. I hope so. I think it's uh it's it was a fun way to have the thing spread. Uh was through Ant-Man and Scott Lang because he was obviously mm. like able to shrink down still, right? So I think retaining yeah. your powers, you know, it's 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 a fun concept to have because it's so drastically different from what we usually get from these zombie scenarios where they're just like slow usually uh but but yeah um i mean we'll do a series review for the last four episodes if they're worth worth talking about but yeah let's move on to something that's been in the works like on for like nine months now centuries months yeah uh <laughs> And that is Akira from 1988, one of my all-time favorite animated films. Did you enjoy Akira? I see he's holding up the 4K Blu-ray. It looks this phenomenal. This is the 4K Blu-ray. Hang on, hang on. This is, the, this is just the outer pack. It comes with a... So this is the 4K, yeah. right? It's got a special bonuses, uh, Blu-ray special features, which I'm going to actually watch because I was really quite interested in it. Right. And it also has a... Uh, a little book with uh, interviews from the uh, the team that did it. Oh, that's really nice. It's, yeah. Are you jealous? I am. Jealous? I am. I am. Jealous? I am jealous. Yes. So, as the official 4K initiato of this <laughs> initiato. I don't know. That's the word I'm going to use. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Aficiano. Aficionado. Keanu. Um, Keanu Reeves. Keanu. 
Uh, as the aficionado of 4Ks, uh, as the person who has the best 4K TV on the on on the on the set, uh, and the best sound system on the set, and a and a PS5 on the set, you know, got the best uh, 4K system. I can tell you for a fact, uh, 4K didn't do much for Akira because obviously it's an animated movie, but yeah. it was nice to watch it in 4K <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, I really loved Akira. I appreciate you recommending it to me. I'm right. sorry that I didn't get around to it as soon as I could. Oh, good. Um, but I'm glad I waited for the 4K because, uh, you know, it's just, it's just actually a really nice little box that it comes in. Yeah. First things first, the comparison to Blade Runner. That's the one thing I've heard about uh, Akira, that people compare it to Blade Runner a little bit. I don't like that, actually. <laughs> I don't like them being compared together because it's basically comparing them on thin ice, and that thin ice that's holding them together is the cyberpunky post-apocalyptic Neo style oh, that yeah. it's in. And that's all that's there because, honestly, this is an anti-war slash anti-nuclear bomb film tutorial. Tell it, tell it, tell it. What's the word I'm looking for? Dictatorship governments. Oh, uh, totalitarian. The word. To- yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Dictatorship governments. You know, the right. while Blade Runner is more about consciousness and what's real, and you know, it, it's it's definitely about two different sides of this. And for me, uh, Akira nails it because who better to talk about anti-war, anti-bomb than? Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. really well done in both the, you know, story-wise sense of how they told the story and the meaning behind it, but also uh the, the, fuck this movie looks cool. Right? Yeah, it, it is looks amazing, so good. right? And I mean that does go uh, like uh I mean it doesn't come without its cost. It was like one of the most expensive movies ever made in oh, It actually was the most expensive movie in Japan uh to date uh in 1988 and then like the next year uh a Studio Ghibli film from Hayao Miyazaki Kiki's delivery service overtook it but it cost like at the time I think like 8 million US dollars which is a lot of money for Japanese animated movies in the late 80s you know Um, and what's also different about the film is that it it consists of 2,212 shots uh, and that is 160,000 single pictures which at the time was two to three times more than usual Oh, well, yeah, like it's got some really cool uh, stories behind it, which is why I'm excited to get into this uh, special documentary feature on the Blu-ray that also comes with the 4K. Yeah, I like the entire time before I watched this, I thought Akira was the guy who rides the bike, but that's just Canada. Yeah. And he's cool. He's cool as fuck. Like, I want that bike. I I do want that that bike bike as well. That bike is sick. It's understandable that Tetsuo really wants his bike, you know? It's understandable. I want it it too. I want the bike as well. What could you fault me for it? Every you know? single part of this film is it got so much detail in it, and that's exciting. Mm-hmm. From honestly, like I mean, the bike for one, it's it's just like there's so many cool details on it, like like the cannon sticker on there, and it's like oh yeah, that makes me happy. Just to the overall style of weaponry, to the colonel, he he's cool. Um, in terms of like his build, and then while all the other people are a bit like a bit smaller, but that, you know this yeah. is more of an anime kind of thing. Um, and I'm not the biggest anime kind of guy. I don't watch a lot of anime, but in terms of movie animes, I've seen more. Of those and I have seen of like TV shows because mm-hmm. I don't have a I don't have enough time on my hands to squeeze a thousand episodes of One Piece in. Um, <laughs> yeah, One Piece fucking podcast probably a terrible, <laughs> terrible like first anime to start with probably unless you started like a thousand days ago maybe. But yeah, but no, it, it it's honestly uh, I had no idea what the movie was about yeah. <laughs> until right up to the end. Um, and then it kind of hit me that you know Akira was this weapon of mass destruction and you know uh, Tutsu was going to be the next variation of that. Uh, the next Akira. 
essentially. And, you know, the like every single part of it, like the world building is so exciting. Like the people who who crave for Akira, but don't know exactly what Akira is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the just every single aspect of this film just kept dragging me in and in and in um, to the point that because uh, I was watching this at home, usually if I need a pee, I, I, just, I just hold it when I'm at the cinemas. But usually when I'm at home, I just go to the toilet. I was like, nah, I'm not going. I'm sitting here and watching this entire fucking thing in one sitting. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm just really, really happy with it. I'm I'm probably going to give it a second watch, uh, hopefully in the next week. Right, um, okay. Just because I liked it that much. And obviously I watched it with the uh, subtitles on. Yes, I'm not a dub kind of guy. I'm a sub kind of guy. I'm, good, good. I'm not going to say that sentence. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, obviously if you, <laughs> shut up, um, if you watch anime, uh, or at least, you know, if, not just anime, if you watch any kind of foreign film, you obviously should watch it with subtitles because I think the original voice cast oh, yeah. or just the original performance is going to be much better than any kind of dubbing. There are some cases where dubbing can be considered better, but just in general, I, I was really more invested in the screen than I was on the actual story. So, uh, oh, sorry, the dialogue. So this time I'll probably focus more on the dialogue and actually listen to what's being said because again i'll just be caught up in the visuals again and be swept off my feet because akira literally swept me off my feet which is why i gave it uh on letterboxd um i'm pretty sure i gave it yeah i i gave it four stars but i'm moving up to four and a half because right. i was meant to give it four and a half because yeah, yeah yeah i gave it four and a half stars it was so close to being a five actually you know what it is kind of what's, what's holding it back Can i give it a five i don't know it is only holding, i think it's because it's my first watch and i just want yeah, to yeah, give yeah. it a five straight away that's fair but yeah. at the same time like ah you know what uh do I move it to a five? <laughs> you, I'm going to flip a coin. Hang on, let me just get... <laughs> This is riveting stuff. You, so you see how reviews are done at the Quiet Unsaid podcast. We usually flip coins if we can't decide. Uh, I don't have any coins, so I'm flipping an air tag because it's like I gave the Green Knight a five bomb the first time seeing it. So yeah, I might as well just you know, if it's the silver side up. It's going to be a five star. If it's the white side up, it's going to be a four and a half. Oh, it's a silver side. Okay, so it's a five, five star. star. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it this much. I think for me, it is a four and a four and a half out of five. But I would I would consider going up to a five for it. It's definitely closer to like if also than in a terms of writing reviews. Again, as yeah. I said, I want to get back into writing reviews, but right now I'm trying to do one a week. Akira is the one that I'm trying to work on, um, yeah. but obviously uh, I'm slowly getting back into it, and time is of essence. Uh, right. I don't want to. I don't want to just rush this review because I think Akira is going to have this really special spot in my heart now because it's mm. now one of those movies that I uh, that I have a five. It's in my five stars now. Yeah, and you don't have many of those. I think you keep them no. really, really close. You know, and it, those are really valuable uh, to you. So not a lot of movies get five stars. So I'm I'm super happy that I uh, wrecked your movie that uh, you you enjoyed this much i just thought it would you would you would vibe with it quite a bit so uh i'm really mm. glad that i actually am able to kind of call your style and what you're into <laughs> uh and i mean i love the movie um i think i've talked about it before on the show maybe on shows where you went on because i but but yeah i just love the overall world of it as well uh neo tokyo is so stunning to look at and you know the, the destruction that is happening um isn't like holding back at all because they're not constrained with you know live action um in any mm. sort of way so I think animation or like anime in this case is, is, is so open for a lot of interesting visual ideas and it feels like they just were able to go mayhem on this one and it's it's all the better for it. It's a phenomenal movie. Um, it's streaming, I think, on Netflix in a bunch of places if you <laughs> are not looking to get a 4K review, uh, 4K uh, Blu-ray yourself, but 
Uh, I guess Lachlan can really recommend that too. And oh, um, remember how I told you the Green Knight's going to make it into my favorite films? Yeah. Oh, Kira might fucking do it as well. God damn it! <laughs> you need a rotating set of of favorite films. If it's I just like if I start it. streaming again on Twitch, I'm probably gonna do one of those where I go through all the movies and re-rate them. And oh god, this is gonna be fucking difficult. It is difficult time. It is a quite difficult uh, task. But uh, I guess let's wrap up our Akira review. And what is the next Roll Dead Again film club movie? You might be asking yourself. And yes, Joker. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> got it. It's not Joker. It's uh, what you know the movie that was inspired by Joker. Uh, that like you know Martin Scorsese saw Joker and was like, oh, I got to do that myself. Oh, King of Comedy. So he got a time machine, went back into. Oh no, wait, no, he doesn't even. It's Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> maybe, maybe I should do the the Cali bootleg review for some reason in the future because I'm pretty shit at it as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we're doing Taxi Driver, uh, and we'll probably end up talking about that uh, next week. So. RTAs uh, back to back. So, let's get to our main big review. Uh, let's talk about Malignant. Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders, and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are, in fact, terrifying realities. From director James Wan. Um, director of films like Saw, like Aquaman and the Conjuring series, we get his latest horror film. Uh, Lachlan, what did you make of Malignant? Did you enjoy your time? I didn't feel like my time was wasted, actually. I, hey, uh, awesome. <laughs> I had an all right time, not going to lie. All right. I feel like it's right, you know, it fits in right in the middle, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of those, one of those, you watch it, you don't mind watching it, but it's also not like the greatest time you've ever had with a horror film. You see, film. it's refreshing that it's not a conjuring spirit movie. Right, yeah, that it's not, not in the same universe. At, because, yeah. question for you is, what genre of horror would you put this into? Supernatural, body horror, uh, psychological, because that's the question it's I want to It's got a bit raise. of everything. I, I raise you a question. Yeah. Because I think this is James Wan's, and it's not really spoiling it, but I reckon this is James Wan's uh, body horror attempt or, or, or gory body horror attempt because he's done the supernatural yeah. and, you know, uh, James Wan is a, is a, is a good dude. Uh, obviously, if we're talking James Wan, you know, he, he, he did do Saw, mm -hmm. obviously. So it's not like he doesn't know how to do body horror, but he's, he's kind of gone away from that. And that's just gore horror. But this was like, it's kind of like his mer, his like symbiosis of you know it's funny saying that it, it uh, is funny no spoilers of a of a supernatural being and a human being body horror movie yeah i, I mean I, I do agree with you there but i feel like even saw is less a body at least the first one isn't really a bother body horror and then it goes more into like the torture porn thing yeah good so point. i feel like yeah this is straight up his most body horror film and it's less about i mean it is in in part supernatural but i think those aspects aren't as important it's way closer to a film like Candyman, where it's just like a monster is mm. unleashed um, and yep. you're trying to kind of condemn that monster back down and kind of kill it and get rid of it. In, in, in the James Wan universe of horror movies, it's not like Candyman loaded with a lot of like uh, racial background and stuff like that. It's more just a straight up horror film. So it's lighter on that end. Uh, and it's, I, I guess it's also just about uh, less about the scares, but more about the kills uh, themselves. And they can be quite yep. gory, actually adding to yeah. the body, body horror element. Um, but yeah, uh, were you scared? 
scared by this movie? One one jump scare. One jump scare got me, and it was her walking down the stairs with the washing and the the little right the, past. Yeah, yeah. Of, that's the only one that got me, and I was that I actually one was pretty jumped. scary. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck, I wasn't expecting it. Um, because also it has the like, audio cue as well. Because obviously mm-hmm. most jump scares are like. Oof, but it had like a like a kid laughing and I was like, that's terrifying. And then he saw the kid and yep. I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> don't do that. Don't uh, do that. The, Stop that. <laughs> that's the only jump scare yep. that uh, that got me. Yeah, I, I didn't really get get scared with it. Uh, I, I try to watch horror movies uh, usually late at night. So I did watch this last mm. night at the latest possible moment. And mm. uh, yeah, even then it, it wasn't really scary to me. <laughs> Maybe it's just that I'm comparing it immediately to Candyman because I feel like there's some similarities there with the monster element that just appears out of nowhere. Um, yeah. but I was so terrified watching Candyman in the theater. I just wasn't with this. You know, you, you feel that uh, James Wan's camera work is really solid and you can see it once again in here, uh, especially later on with the reveals and stuff. Uh, I think that all works pretty well. There's something I wanted to bring up because one of the notes I said was, uh, why do all of his movies look the same? I f- probably studio stuff, I'd say. Well, I guess he's working yeah. with Warner Brothers like all the time. It's the same It's the same cinematography, but I was like, so this isn't me doing a dig because I'll, I'll, let me just finish my sentence yeah because um my my note was man all of these movies look the same they need to do something interesting to make it stand out and boy do they do that peephole shot where it goes into the peephole Mm. and then that running up the stairs in that first initial uh scare and then that top down shot in the house when she's running around and then that 360 transition of like her sleep paralysis thing Mm. and then the sleep and then the police precinct uh precinct shot that those those were all top five shots of the entire movie oh yeah that was fucking sick I, I, and I was like, all right, I'll eat my words. That was fucking good. I feel like he, he, he is able to do great staging. So like where he's placing uh, like all the performers, all the cast. And he's also mm. great at um, like the camera placement, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, he, 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 uh, he, sorry. Uh, no, he's sorry. I said it the wrong way. It's uh, staging would be camera and then blocking would be for uh, the actors. And I think he does both quite well, uh, even if it's just like her in her bedroom. And then we transition into a different scene with the CGI. I thought that a lot of those moments were although they, there were a lot of effects going on as well i think they were kind of like seamless in a way that uh it, it got me into the character's brain or like her experience as to how terrifying he is like what is actually going on um i think that was really uh conveyed in the way that it was shot uh, do we want to get into spoilers so we can talk about yeah specific... let's jump in right right uh so Lachlan, do we want to do, do you want to sum the movie up with me do, do we want to do a summary yeah yeah uh yeah okay if you would like to do a summary awesome would you like to do the summary or do you want to do the summary like word by word like you do one word i do one word <laughs> that sounds terrible <laughs> that sounds like it would just be a train wreck and we would go let's we do could it get let's nowhere. do it <laughs> let's do it what are you scared i am a bit scared now yeah madison i'll start us off oh damn it fuck that was gonna be worse. okay uh <laughs> madison ha- finds a fetus inside herself <laughs> when her brother gabriel eats it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, good. That, okay, cool, that's, cool. The cool that, that's the end no, of the first that, one. That's the entire movie. Yeah, that is the entire oh, movie. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, she does realize uh, Gabriel, her parasitic twin brother, um, has been yep. munching away on her unborn children and has been mm. uh, getting back to strength like Voldemort did in Harry Potter 3 for all those Potterheads mm-hmm. listening to, yep. the, to the that's show. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> basically, Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. And that's basically it. And then uh, by the power of really frozen, like by the power of sisterhood uh he has been kind of locked away for a long time but then he got kind of unfrozen went on a um well manic killing spree basically killing everyone mm. who was involved and who was a doctor uh at the psych ward where uh he was described as a cancer that had to be cut out of her 
And I mean, the, the Harry mm. Potter references don't stop there. <laughs> I think my, I wrote down a note that's like, is this Harry Potter one? <laughs> like, is it on my, the back of my the entire head? notes every time you see Gabriel in a shot is parkour, parkour, <laughs> parkour. <laughs> this movie would have been really popular in 2014, you know, at the height of first parkour things stuff. first, Ewan. First right, things yeah. first. Uh, every single shot of a heart rate monitor in this movie says 69 oh. hey. what episode is this 69, 69. nice hey it was Real meant nice. to be it was meant i was to watching be. this movie and i was like this movie's meant to be our 69th <laughs> episode i was like because literally the first like i went heart rate 69 comma nice and then it happens <laughs> later again there's like a shot on the side where uh it's like this is right at the end uh was it right at the end i can't remember where it's like someone's dying in the hospital bed and it and it, and it zeroes out and it says 69 and then it just drops like 62 8 and that's it and i was like nice nice um does this mean that this yeah, podcast no. will die after episode 69 is that the meaning yep oh shit okay uh, well let's make yeah, it a good one then yeah let's, let's, let's go out with a bang yeah where should we start with malignant ewan uh do you want to start at the start because uh i hated the opening shot literally that cheesy fucking speak to the camera shot i was like oh this isn't a great opening however to make up for it panda socks Panda socks, sick. <laughs> Panda socks, best awesome. part. Yeah. Made up for it. Mm -hmm. It could it back out to be a, a you know because I start all my movies at two and a half stars out of five for a rating, uh -huh. and it made it go straight down to a half a star, and then right. made it back up to two. So I was like, all right, that's a pretty good start right there. What what did you think of the opening? I mean, I think it tried to pull us in immediately by the like straight up uh like killing spree that that went on, mm. uh, and I think it, it already kind of set up a lot of the stuff later on. Uh, to me, that was a bit of a downfall to the overall narrative, though, because I was like, as soon as they said, oh, let's cut the uh, cancer out, to me, it was already like super apparent that something parasitic is inside of her controlling her, or at least like some part of that is going on. So I was like, okay, that's going to be the twist later on that she's actually being controlled or like she's doing the killings. I wouldn't mind if they had just showed that later on but i guess it, it does really get you into the story and kind of you know it is a, a segue to the story that then slowly starts to escalate again and we got an escalation at the start kind of getting you in um but it, like i wasn't a big fan of the opening because it feels so like something we've seen so many times before like we get this crazy opening and yep. then we cut to the person who is not realizing that something weird is going on and then weird shit starts to happen so you know that in that way it wasn't really that much different from a lot of other stuff that i've seen you know and there was no 69 shot yet so that was disappointing ah, yeah yeah no for me it uh it set the tone it showed me that oh okay it's actually not going to be uh or at least it's not going to be a supernatural story mm -hmm. because there's a there's a creature we have a creature and it does show you a little bit i mean it hides it behind a screen but uh, I think if you are doing a horror movie or monster movie, your best bet if you want to build tension is not show the creature too early. Mm -hmm. And I kind of saw an outline of it. I saw its butthole eye. That's what I wrote down. Butthole eye. Um, <laughs> you saw his whole eye. You saw everything but his whole eye. Yes, but his whole eye. Right. Um, but no, yeah. I think I think as an opening, it definitely grabs your attention, and you and mm -hmm. you know what you're getting yourself into. I was like Seattle. <laughs> I saw that Seattle. city. And I was like, hey, I know that city. I know that landmark. That's Seattle. Uh, uh, moving on, introducing us to our main characters, Madison. Mm -hmm. What did you think of her introduction? Because my introduction goes, pregnant lady is very pregnant. <laughs> she was quite a really pregnant lady that was pregnant. She was a very pregnant lady yeah. who was pregnant. Very pregnant, but not for long. Huh? No, no, not for no, long. No, not for long. Um, uh, because of domestic violence. Yeah, so, okay. So I'm wondering because that was kind of the point where Gabriel was unleashed again. So he was feeding off the unborn fetuses, the embryos. I don't know how long he waited until he was like... 
munching them up. So I don't know, did that domestic instance then trigger it? Uh, or was that just, well, you know? he was in a deep sleep, obviously, in the back of his head, in the back of her head, sorry. Oh. His head or her head? Which one's the main, which one was the, 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 the host? Because, oh, she well, was I take the, the keys to Parasite. She yeah, was yeah. the host. Mm-hmm. First things first, everyone. Uh, 911 or your local police ambulance fire brigade uh, number does exist. Uh, and if you bleed from the back of your head, please call a hospital or go to a hospital. Yeah. Because this could all have been fixed if she went to a hospital and the doctors literally looked at the back of her head and were like, hey, lady, you got a butthole eye and teeth sticking out the back of your head. We should get we should get you in the operating room straight away. But no. That's why I fear going bald, because I could have a butthole head eye at the end yeah. of my... At the, you could have a butthole eye. Yeah. I, yeah. You never know. I, I guess his... Um, I, I didn't connect that. that he, he was just... He was literally like uh, woken up by a strong knock yep. on the door. Yep. <laughs> that is kind of funny to think about in a way. Um. But yeah, I guess then he's unleashed and he goes on a killing spree. As, as we as the audience with the police and her try to figure out uh, why uh, why is he killing certain people? What is going on? You know, and I think that part of the story uh, goes on for quite a bit. We obviously get introduced to her sister as well. And uh, yeah, they, they kind of been estranged. Apparently, the um, husband forbid them from seeing each other. I think that was that was something that you mentioned, which was a bit odd to me. So I guess that uh, like Madison or Emily uh, has kind of attracted these uh Toxic relationships in her life. Uh, if she's been in one for a long time, married to this I, guy. I don't know. I don't know how much that would be like. How how well that would go on a Tinder profile. If um, you know, I hey, uh, you know, twenty seven loves the beach and surfing. Uh, what well, I mean, Seattle, so it's not really beach and surfing, but um, and then it's like, and a very malicious brother growing at the back of my head it's an immediate swipe left it's an immediate swipe swipe left swipe right yeah swipe, swipe left it would be swipe left yeah uh, you're on you're on the tinder i am on the, the i am on the tinders and um yep. as an expert i could say that i uh would go left the tinder some, expert at, yeah a tinder we finally have a competitor against the oscar experts <laughs> yes we should do awards you at can the be end of the a tinder es- you can be a tinder expert and i shall be uh uh wingman bro i can wingman i can bro. already tell you that meryl streep is also going to sweep at the tinder award <laughs> she just gets nominated doesn't matter if she's not even on on tinder it's fine no we'll still That's take fine. it but yeah i know you would swipe left on on someone with a with a, a literal voldemort butthole face eyes. yeah butthole eye. uh, but i'm sure there would be someone who's like into that but uh <laughs> <laughs> Most yeah. people wouldn't, you know. It is kind of terrifying. Most people probably are not. The potential of being murdered in your sleep, or like the way his his neck was snapped, the husband's neck. Yeah, that looked, was pretty rough, eh? Yeah, that did look quite horrific. Pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess she tries to discover what that connection to her past is. So she has kind of the convenient uh, amnesia, I would say. The movie amnesia, where she only remembers up to one point, which I guess was right up to the point where her sister was born. And then I guess we get the confirmation that, yes, Gabriel, it is I, the butthole eye at the back of your face. And uh, yeah, then he goes on a <laughs> murdering screen, that, that prison, and then the, the police precinct, which was crazy. That scene was, was directed like really well. Uh, I gotta say, uh, and um, the way that that Gabriel moves is just, you know, it, it's a bit supernatural. I think in, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it looks a bit sped up at times. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just really dynamic and a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's fast forward to uh, 
actually hunting down the the, the Gabriel um, because uh, Detective uh, Detective Shaw is a badass. He doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't think any he, kind yeah, of he, acrobatic he, motherfucking monkey. He, he, he fucking he, stood his own ground. Yeah, he just ran after him and he went underground into like the most terrifying like underground layer that you could have as this killing person. He just chases after him. He's, he just does not care. Yeah, he he was he was he was really sick. If I was a cop climbing down some fire escapes, okay, sure, that's fine. Going into a little gate like that, no, like like into that like nope. little sewer, nah, yeah, man, no man, fuck that. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Nah, I'm fuck good. it. <laughs> I've seen horror movies. I don't know how fucking things go. That's not how it goes. So that yeah. that is really well done because it, it. I was like, oh, he's gonna die now. Oh no, he didn't die. Oh, they've gone down even further. Oh no, he's gonna die. Oh, he doesn't die. Oh man, you know, it's it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and uh, I don't even remember if he dies at the end. He doesn't, right? It, we we don't see him again uh, after he's like shot out of the room. Um, we don't cut cut back to him, so I don't know if he's still alive. He's dead. You think we'll just dead? say we'll just say we'll just confirm it. We'll confirm. But it. the he's thing dead. is, at the end, you know, towards the real end, uh, I guess I'm skipping ahead here. We do get that lamp thing that is like, oh, I'm James Wan. I might it's make buzzing. a franchise out of this. Oh, like franchise. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh um, it's at the back of the lamp. Oh, <laughs> the sequel is just like. <laughs> Gabriel being the Pixar lamp and brutally murdering the eye over and over again. Gabriel will return in M- Malig- Malignant 2. Malignant? Malignant 2. <laughs> Malignant 2. Yeah. Malignant. Malig- Malig- Malignant Ant. 2. He will take over Ants, be a queen oh, Ant. Shit. Cross oh, over shit. to the MCU, go up Thanos' butthole in, a butthole in the zombies yep. episode, and boom, mm-hmm. Aquaman oh. will also show up maybe mm-hmm. to flush it all down after Thanos' ass has been oh. exploded. Yeah, it's all connected because <laughs> he is a sub. Yeah. <laughs> Where did Gabriel learn to do metal work? T- tell me that. To do what work? Metal work. Metal work. Yeah. Also, if you're living in the attic, how did you not hear hear him grinding down a fucking sword? He's just a really deep sleeper. I guess at the times where he was in control, he kind of made her reality different. So he, she probably yeah, wasn't I guess. seeing that. There's, there's like a way out for everything. You <laughs> feel feel like mm. because at the end, it's just like, oh, you can just make reality different. Uh, for yeah to whoever is in control and i mean that moment where she takes over is pretty sick but i don't know how you felt but when uh he pulled the trigger on uh like blowing out the brains of his sister yeah sydney yeah i was like oh shit i like this because the stakes are like oh shit we thought she was safe like the the classical ending to a horror story like this and then she just dies and then when they take it back and when they walk it back, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I would have really liked to see her suffer more. <laughs> like, oh, this is unredeemable. There's there's nothing here see, that keeps if you it safe. Was, if it was the other way around, if it was the mother who, because I thought, because obviously there was like, I was going to save you last kind of thing. Yeah. It's like he was, she was actually going to die last. If they swapped it around and actually shot the mother in the head, mm-hmm. that would have risen the stakes a little bit more instead of just Sydney because he already said he's he's saving her to last. But when they blew the brains out, I had the same thing. I was like, oh, shit, the stakes have been raised. Yeah. But then I realized, no, no, no. This is this is they're gonna do the thing where she's pretending to you know build the reality around it. Mm. Um, so I feel like they could have because uh, the mother played no part in anything after she said her monologue. Yeah. So killing her off made would have made sense, right, uh, yeah. especially if you're not gonna have anything after this scene. So for me, what what brought it down was actually the ending because I thought the ending wasn't as uh, bold as the rest of the film tries to be because that. Uh, 
the reveal, the twist of uh, Gabriel being inside of uh, Madison done so well, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With with Maddie, because obviously you've got the tension of Maddie at the uh, at the hospital, uh, finding all this stuff and then coming back and then them, them learning about what actually happened and then the cops being on the, ta- on the trail and then Madison being in jail and it all coming together it was like, a, it was really well done. The reveal, yeah. I have to say, the, the twist, I was like, this is really well done. However, after that, other than the the cool fucking John Wick style fucking <laughs> police brutality murder <laughs> in the precinct. Yeah. Precinct. Uh, other than that, though, everything else down was kind of like downhill from there because it's pretty much just like a we're going to get to the mother because he's gonna she he's gonna kill her and it's like okay cool. But does that mean that she can now control? Uh, she can like telepathically control things because she has the full she has the full control. She has now? the full power set unlocked now. Yeah. I I actually don't she know. She upgraded a skill tree. <laughs> she did. She did. She she got rid of of one branch and upgraded the other yeah. one. Uh, I don't know if yeah. by locking off that part of your skill tree, if then it just vanishes and she's kind of normal now. It's the only part they don't explain. Don't it's the only part they don't explain. It's like, okay, cool, body horror. How the fuck does he speak through radio waves? Explain to me that. Yeah, I, I guess those things don't really make sense because I feel like that scene was mainly to misdirect us for a bit just before the reveal when, when we maybe were mm. closest to oh yeah she's being interrogated she's probably it she's just faking it and then it's like the scream thing of like calling oh no I'm actually at the precinct right now yeah. so I can't be calling uh, that's kind of what he does yeah I, I don't know but I, I guess it's just at some point it's just like supernatural horror it doesn't all make super sense but I'm sure that there's yeah. some weird explanation for that. But yeah, I, f- I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about um, Malignant. Uh, so Lachlan, where did you arrive at as as a rating for the film? As I said, after the first scene, I was at two stars. And then all of those cool shots brought it up to three and a half stars. Yeah. And then uh, 69 made it to five stars. <laughs> Nice. Everything else brought it back down to two stars, and then the cool police shot in the in the the, the cool John Wick style shot mm-hmm. brought it up to three stars, and the ending brought it down to two and a half. So I come at to a two and a half out of five. That was a real roller coaster. Two of, of two ratings. and a half butthole eyes out of five. <laughs> two and a half buttholes. What's the half butthole like? Like, uh, do you, do you see? Are you constantly blinking? Well, did you not see his one? other eye? What? Did you not see his other eye? No, I, I saw it, but it was like half an eye. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, uh, uh, what? Uh, uh, you just explained it to yourself I, I guess i guess i did i mean i'm staying with um free eyes you know uh so i'll give him a, a free out of five. three butthole eyes three butthole mm. eyes together actually he has a lot of butthole eyes so like five mm. and a half out of ten possible butthole eyes so wow. that's really exciting for gabriel um but uh yeah i hope he's happy about it now that he's locked back at in her head but yeah that brings us to the end of today's show and uh, next week we'll take a look at clint eastwood's cry macho and taxi driver but in the meantime don't forget to drop five star reviews over on apple podcast also consider joining our public discord we do film raffles and a film club over there you can also join our patreon for just one buck a month you get access to weekly bonus shows and our monthly drunk cast uh, you can also follow us on twitter that said underscore quiet on instagram quiet on set podcast and on Letterboxd, quite on set. Uh, all of our personal socials are linked below. Lachlan, do you have anything else to add to this week's episode? Ewan, I, got a, I wanted to do the Akira quote that I really liked. Oh, yeah. What, what, what was um, it? Because Ewan, I thought I thought it would be, I think it, I think it suits you and me. Okay. If you and I would be taken over by some sort of power and became power hungry like a god, mm-hmm. I hope one of us would actually say this uh, to someone else. Uh, he's not your friend, he's ours. If someone's going to kill him, it should be us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that scene. It's such a great that's scene. The best, that's the best it's scene and best yeah. lie I loved. It was killer yeah uh yeah killer line from a killer movie i right, go check out akira and uh, we'll talk to you next week
how do I say this title again? <laughs> malignant. Wait, I gotta take it. I gotta piss real bad. Malignant. I'll be back in a, in one second. Malignant. One. Okay, all good. Malignant. 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 Sorry, no, I'm just purposely fucking you up. <laughs> Why would it help you if you write no. it down? It's, it's written down here. <laughs> I'm I'm writing it out the way you meant to say it. Malignant. Malignant. I'm literally going to be like this every time. Malignant. 